0: Welcome to Review the Future, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the impact of technology on culture. I'm Ted Cover. I'm John Perry. And today on Review the Future, we are talking about... Black Mirror Season 5, the episode called Smithereen.
1: Yeah, so we are going to to spoil this one. So I'm just going to say that right up front. And I'm just going to say that this is the policy for these future review episodes, is that uh, they're going to be all just spoilers everywhere. We're not going to worry about it, so we don't have to keep saying this.
0: Yeah, we'll try uh, to warn you of what uh, we're going to review next so you can catch up. But basically, we're going to talk about the content, so we can't help it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially with this one, I think it's hard hard not to give away the ending. Yeah. So this is one of their stories that they do that's essentially set in modern times. It's about technology, but it's not science fiction. And we, as we've discussed, there's generally one of these every season. And it stars a rideshare driver for a fictional company called Hitcher, which is a pretty good fictional name for a rideshare company, who is stalking employees from another company, Smithereen, that some kind of social media company? Did you catch exactly what they do, or are they just sort of like vaguely like a Facebook type company?
0: I didn't. It sounded from the kind of data that they reference later in the story uh, that they're Facebook-like.
1: Yeah. So Chris is a rideshare driver. Uh, he stalks a uh, Smithereens employee who he thinks is an executive, but actually turns out to be an intern, and it turns into a you know hostage standoff situation with the cops pretty quickly. Uh, and we find out that what he wants to do is to speak to the CEO of this social media company, Smithereen, and I guess get some accounting for the fact that he blames himself and Smithereen for the death of his fiance in a car accident where he feels because of Smithereen's app attracting his attention away from the road, that that's what's to blame ultimately for his fiance dying. So it's sort of a like tech revenge story. I guess it's not quite revenge. It's more like he's sort of, um, you know, it reminded me a little bit of that movie falling down, maybe.
0: right. It's like a cry uh, for help almost. Yeah.
1: It's like a cry for help, you know, where someone is is angry at the world that corporations essentially have created that they that they now have to live in. Does that does that sound about right to you? Yeah, that's
0: right. He seems to want an admission out of the CEO character that the technology they built was in fact addictive, right? Like he just wants confirmation. That it wasn't a hundred percent him. Maybe you know from the beginning that he's he's got some kind of grievance against this company. But the reveal is that he was uh, looking at a dog picture on the internet at the moment that the car got hit, and uh, that resulted in his fiance dying. Uh, so he blames himself, but he also blames this technology.
1: There's definitely a reading of this one that feels like kind of you know anti technology <laughs> complaining again. There's definitely that undercurrent, but uh, I think it complicates things enough, and it's like enough based in this like specific character's problems that it doesn't feel like entirely like oh it's just you know another cell phones are bad story. Although it kind of is too. I don't know. No, if I anything, mean,
0: it-, it strikes me as a. Capitalism is bad thing. Even the CEO character, since we're fully spoiling this, uh, it's Topher Grace who plays the CEO. He even says something like, "Oh yeah, I didn't want to architect it like that, but we have shareholders or whatever." He, doesn't he make an argument? Just
1: yeah, well, he's like, "This isn't what I wanted it to be." Yeah. You know, I, I had this vision that this was going to be nice and bring people together. You know, right? He has a uh, sort
0: of Zuckerbergian yeah. mission that sounds relatively. Um, like a good idea uh or at least not like an evil idea at the very least and and it seems to have been corrupted by the profit motive which that's the kind of stuff i'm looking for from black mirror is uh i know it's going to tell me a dark side but i want it to i want to know why i want to know what what's causing the dark side here and if the logic of capitalism is the thing that's causing the technology to make people addicted at least there's an answer for where where this uh where this is coming from?
1: Yeah, there's like the there's like a, a logic to the evil, right? It's right. not just uh it's not just random cruelty. So why don't we just like I mean the obviously the main topic here is is the thing that the guy is what has a grievance over, right? Which is like the the stealing of his attention at at a key moment. And of course, like it is just you know just totally horrific how common this story is, and the, the notion that someone would feel as if they had like killed their fiance because of a cat video or something like that is just, is, is horrifying, uh, just in how banal that, that story is, right? Um, and so, I mean, we've talked about in the past how, you know, the way that we deal with cell phones as constantly taking our attention away from, you know, life around us, you know, in ways that are, that are negative. Obviously, this is the most extreme version of that, is maybe like a temporary blip, right? As we like transition to like maybe smarter technology that you know handles our attention a little bit more delicately, although the capitalist motive might always sort of push back against that. Um, I mean, one of the ways obviously that you could possibly help address this is by simply moving the interface like from your pocket, from your hand, to you know closer to your field of vision, um, and obviously this gets implemented in in cars now. Um, with, you know, people put their their map display on mounts and things or like in like, uh, you know Onboard computers as part of the car so that you're not looking down uh, When you're trying to navigate for example That's like just one of the like technical solutions But obviously like farther down the line if you've got glasses or contacts or something then you've always got that I mean that's still potentially very distracting don't get me wrong, but you're not literally looking down at your hand, right? So that seems like the long-term fix to this, right? Right. Other than driving cars that drive themselves. Well, right. That's what I was about to say. They have
0: head-up displays now, and those are better, which, you know, those project right on the glass or or some of the current generation of, like, their own little piece of uh, translucent plastic that they project on. Um, But uh, head-up displays will help. And then eventually, uh, yeah, you expect the cars to drive themselves and human attention to be just... um, not needed for that task, uh, to be safe. Um, you know, maybe the car will occasionally need your input, but it will warn you well in advance and it won't, uh, be a split second sort of situation where you need to be paying attention to the road and instead you're, you're texting or something. I mean, although,
1: I mean, even if the cars drive themselves, I think the story wants to say that it's still dangerous to be too focused on your phone, right? Because that's how the guy gets kidnapped. Uh, which is the point that the that Chris, like sort of the villain of the story, the rideshare driver who kidnaps him, that's the point that he makes is you weren't paying attention, you know, you're like riding around in my car in the back seat. You didn't notice that I, I drove you to this, you know, underpass uh, where I could kidnap you with a gun, uh, you know. So, I mean, there are other dangers to lost attention, or at least that's what the story is presenting other than just driving, Right. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I think I buy this as a, as a character motivation. Um, I mean, how, I I don't know, like, how, how sympathetic are you to this character? Like, how culpable do you think like these companies are for stuff like this?
0: Well, it's a little bit like blaming a drug manufacturer for uh, the behavior of an addict or something like that. I mean, if you if you take the Metaphor at face value, which I think I was willing to do when I was watching the show. So I I felt badly for the guy. I I was hoping that he was going to not get killed, right? So this whole thing basically takes place as a standoff where he's locked inside a car with this hostage. The cops are surrounding them. He's on the phone with the you know trying to get the CEO on the phone, and you know that the snipers are just waiting for a shot, right? I mean, you see the sniper mm-hmm. characters setting up and you you know that that's a danger throughout dramatically the episode did a good job i thought of you know making me care like is this guy and his innocent intern uh hostage um gonna make it <laughs> basically or you know he was so erratic you really have feared for both of their safeties uh throughout the thing and i think that was good um but yeah i mean even the character himself at the end doesn't really seem to think that the technology is much to blame. I mean, he he asks for this, you know, um, partial absolution of like, oh, well, we did design it to be addictive. But he even admits in his, uh, in his speech that uh, he blames primarily himself. And I, I, that struck me as basically correct. Uh, what would change my mind about it is, you know, how many people are getting into some kind of dangerous trouble uh, as a result of um, looking at their phones too much, you know. I mean, if a very occasionally a person uh, does this, um, then it seems to me it's, it's on them. Um, <laughs> and if it's happening uh, too much, then at some point the responsibility goes back to the purveyors of this product, I guess, to, uh, to fix their product and not, uh, not hijack people's minds uh, so well.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I I think the story presents it in a way that doesn't, like I said earlier, like doesn't totally frame the technologies to blame. It seems like there's room to maybe design it better. And the main character, importantly, is not a Luddite, right? They they have an IT background, I believe. Right. Uh, actually, the, the main character is kind of a, was a mix of like tech savvy and tech dumb, it seems like, in kind of an odd, uh, odd way. Because um, he's like not totally aware that they're listening to him and things like like he has certain oversights like that. Although in other ways he's very clever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's not like you know he's not coming at this with a luddite perspective, which I thought was good. Uh, I mean, the other grievance against a company that is like pretty front and center in the story uh, is this is this woman uh, Haley that he meets at at a grievance group. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Chris has lost his fiance, so he goes to the grievance group, and he meets a woman who has lost her daughter, I believe. Um, but doesn't have, uh, was it daughter or son?
0: Oh, you know, I, think I, it, I don't remember now.
1: She lost a child, I, and, and, but she yeah. no longer uh, uh, has access to that child's uh, social media account, which she desperately wants access because the child killed themselves. So, right. you know, may, maybe there's some answers in there.
0: Some closure, uh, right, right, right.
1: Uh, but she can't get the password, and there's, like, no mechanism to acquire that password through the company. And this is, I mean, this is a story we've seen reported on, um, and some again, something that happens, it's pretty common, uh, which is that somebody dies, and there's no way to to get control over their account. So it just kind of sits there. And, I mean, that can have, I mean, this is a, a particular case where she's trying to do detective work, Right. Uh, But often it's just that, um, you know, it's depressing or weird to have these sort of like ghost accounts up there. People may want to take them down for a variety of reasons, right, for privacy or whatever.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I should have looked this up and I didn't, but I'm pretty sure they all have ghost account policies now. I mean, I know there was some time there where they didn't, and there were some publicized uh, situations that were like this uh, not too long ago. But I I think all the major companies now, uh, they... They will, you know, they have different rules, but they will give over the account to someone who can just prove that they're next of kin. Like, I don't think you have to have the person's password anymore.
1: I mean, I'm sure you have to prove that you are who you say you are and so on. Yeah. Uh but yeah, in in this particular story, that process is not in place with. Uh, it's not Smithereen. It's a different company, actually. I forget, but it's a different. If it's a different social media company, so that ends up being sort of the final ask that Chris makes, right, of the CEO is like, can you get in touch with this other CEO and get this password for this for this woman I met?
0: Right, that ends up being his sort of altruistic act once he realizes that he. He's not getting out of this situation.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's not
0: realistic or not contemporary if if there's already policies that deal with this. There was some process in place, I think, and she, she had tried but just had no luck getting through their bureaucracy, I think. I think that's what she says when she introduces the problem to him in the grief group. So, you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing that can happen, obviously. I wasn't blown away by, you know, the likelihood of it. But I think it's um, reasonable enough that, yeah, there it, it is a sticky situation. And depending on the company's policy, you might not be able to get access to their account.
1: I mean, having um, a company that has to deal with this and have a policy for it, such a specific, odd problem. Um, and just even that word that you were using a second ago, bureaucracy. Um, It sort of highlights, like, what I think is maybe the most interesting aspect of this episode, which is, like, sort of pointing out, you know, how much, like, uh, governments in some ways these big companies become. Oh, yeah. Just because they they have dominion over so much of our lives and there's so much responsibility and policies and bureaucracy and things that need to inevitably spring up around that. Um, And like the starkest comparison is that when they're trying to deal with the hostage situation, when law enforcement is trying to deal with it, because this guy's in this car uh, with a gun to this intern's head, uh, they end up, you know, talking to the tech company and the tech company has done more and better detective work than law enforcement has done. Right. So I thought like there was like a real strong. Like comparison there, that it's like actually the tech company that has all this information on our lives is better at policing than the police.
0: Right. Right. Uh, yeah, their their tools for detective work are just far better, so they're able to figure out uh, who this guy is and where he's coming from, uh, and even what he wants much more quickly than the uh, cops. And that is pretty interestingly dramatized. And I feel like there's like there's a strong
1: like worldview in that, that I think is, is very believable. Right. I mean, I've, I've, you know, it's none of us have ever been there to like, listen in on this kind of conversation between law enforcement and tech companies, but you know, they must go on all the time. Right. And yes, I don't know if, I don't know if they're as like cartoonishly simple as like the tech company is just like, you know, running circles around the government. That's like the particular funny way that, uh, Charlie Brooker decided to play the scene. Um, but there's definitely like a lot of cooperation there, and a lot of cases where I think probably the tech company does have more access to information, and uh, you know there's a couple there's a couple ways to take that, right? Um, I mean, like like you could have sort of more of like a like a right wing reading of this, like where it's like, oh look how good a job the tech company is doing in this episode with the law enforcement, right? Uh, they should just they should just take that job over, right? Uh, or you can mm-hmm. have a much more like uh, left view of this, which is like, well, gosh, why do they have so much power? Uh, this is like a serious like threat, right um, to have them acting like governments but not be accountable the way the governments are.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, well, that that reading that that contrast certainly exists. and there's also a contrast of how harshly they treat the guy. Because, I mean, the cops are basically planning to murder him uh, or, you know, to kill him, uh, to stop him from doing this uh, uh, erratic and violent thing that he's doing, uh, where the company is basically having this high-level discussion between the CEO and the different advisors about, you know, how much they should accommodate him. Um, and the CEO is is arguing to basically give him what he wants. Um So, yeah, I think it's actually meaningfully nuanced. I I thought that was a pretty cool element of this episode that on the one hand, uh, the corporation is a lot nicer to its clients than the uh, government is to its subjects. But on the other hand, it is totally unaccountable and it's doing um, detective work that, you know, is pretty invasive um, going into his, you know, personal um, information. Uh, in order to find out what he cares about and, and what he you know what he wants from them and everything, um, which uh, of course we don't allow the government to do not um, not uh, we don't admit it anyway that we allow it right so um, yeah it's a it's pretty interesting uh, set of contrasts
1: yeah and it's and it's a systemic critique right I think literally everyone that we see that actually works for uh smithereens seems like a pretty decent person right right from the intern up to the ceo i mean there was a the potential to sort of like make fun of the ceo like i mean the, let's talk about the ceo for a second i mean he's like on a 10-day like tech detox retreat right
0: right where it's, he's like it's like a silent retreat or something right
1: yeah he's like where he's not supposed to speak at all yeah. and he's uh he's like meditating on a mountain in a hut or something i don't know yeah uh and, uh, you know, he's got, like, uh, his, his hair up in a bun or whatever. He's, like, uh, you know, got, got, like, dirty facial hair. And he's just, like, you know, it's he's sort of like this parody of, like, a character, uh, at least in appearance. But then, you know, you actually hear him talk and he's, like, he seems like, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like it's super uh, aggressively making fun of him or demonizing him. He actually seems like a, like a decent enough guy. Uh, who just like pleads that he's trapped in the system, right? I mean, there's like a little bit of humor at his expense, but it's not—it's not like a one-note thing.
0: Yeah, I think that whole thing of him being in the mansion and uh, having the the robe and the man bun and everything is—it's um, to distance him, I think, from the Uber driver main character guy, you know, to show that he's a very different class and that he's, you know, like almost a literal god on a mountaintop kind of thing rather rather than make fun of him i think even i mean it really
1: highlights actually like the the sort of like paradox of of like fashion right in in today's world right right because they make a thing about how the the intern uh is like wearing a suit uh right and like uh, the guy's like, "Why would you wear this like nice suit?" And he's like, "Oh, it's just my first week, right?" Because of course he wants to impress because he's like at the total bottom of the totem pole. Right. Right. Well, and he's Where naive
0: they... of the he's also naive of the culture, right? So he, did, right. he thinks the suit is impressive, but to these guys, like maybe it's jeans and a turtleneck or whatever.
1: Right. And then like the very top of the hierarchy, like you have the the guy that's basically like a looks like a hippie, right? right. So. I've seen this argument, too, before that, you know, like, it's a lot more expensive and difficult to dress well casually, right, than it <sighs> is to just, like, own a single suit. Yeah. So, like, the, that means that, like, the class markers are, are flip-flopped from maybe they where they would have been in the past, where actually, like, you know, you look lower class, the, the nicer you dress, because it's actually easier
0: yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just no longer the fashion. That's why you look lower class, right? It's like it was easier to do, and then the fashion... Uh, wanting to preserve its signaling value shifted. <laughs> right? yes, it's, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's yeah, it has to do with this, this, the cost of the signal, right? right? Yeah, going
1: up yeah. or changing. Yeah, something else I noticed watching this episode is obviously this is set in the UK, right? Um, they get on the phone with the CEO who is in America, right? So right. it's a it's it's an American based company just like Facebook is today, right? Uh, but the the action the story happens on the ground in the UK, so. Uh, It was pretty noticeable how different the gun situation is over there. Uh, That was like something I was feeling pretty strongly when I was watching it. There's literally like a line where they're like a teacher with a real gun, (laughs) question mark. Like the cops are like confused by this point, which would never confuse anyone in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think the initial cops are armed. It's not totally clear. Uh, I mean, later they bring in, you know, the snipers and everything because it's that kind of situation.
0: Right. I Um, didn't notice that watching it, but I believe if my memory serves that the UK did disarm their regular police some time ago. So I think that's probably right. I didn't, I didn't notice it when I was watching. I, I, yeah, I think the bulk of them do not carry guns.
1: And I, that seemed like that was noticeable to me in the beginning that like, you know, they didn't have their guns out in those opening scenes when they like first catch up to the guy. So, yeah, so in, it, there, there are aspects of the story that like felt, you know, science fictional to me as an American, because I'm like, why is it such a big deal that a teacher has a gun? Oh, this is like a what if scenario where... uh <laughs> There's, like, gun control. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Imagine your country is an island and has had gun control for a while. (laughs) Right. You know, (laughs) then it makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's maybe just our cultural blindness as Americans. We're used to everyone being uh, potentially armed. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The other thing I thought about this is it just sort of fits into the... It fits into the zeitgeist in the sense that people are... Even though the story is more nuanced, there is, like, a, obviously a strong current of just frustration with tech, right? And I think, like, that also is, to me, where it ends up, right? Because, like, the final scene is he does get shot by the snipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he gets access to the password for this lady he met, so there's, like, some small good that comes out of it. Yeah. But the main part of the ending is they're, like, cutting around to people getting little notifications on their phone, where they look down, presumably see like uh, you know this guy was shot in his car, yeah, uh, by a sniper, like, and they like sort of nod and then like put their phone back in their pocket, like, and well, the so implication- yeah, the, the
0: whole thing becomes grist for the same attention-stealing mill that caught him up in the first place, right? Isn't that basically what they're saying?
1: That's exactly what they're saying. Yeah, they're, like yeah. there's something sort of gross about how it's like treating uh, the death of a of a human life, and also. Yeah, the, like, attention mill, I guess, persists. Right. So I don't know. Like, I think, I was trying to look this up, but I know that anecdotally it feels like there is a increased backlash against tech. I mean, at the moment. I mean, there's always been uh, the, you know, the articles that we that we make fun of sometimes where, like, every time a new technology comes out, you know, someone is like, now you know this is gonna, you know, ruin our ability to read or whatever. Uh, there's always been that stuff, but it does feel like there's been an uptick uh, in recent years of people just having a, a low favorability of tech companies. Uh, I, I actually tried to look that up, and it does seem like that. I mean, there's no like central place to go for polls on that sort of thing, but it does look like that is actually pretty true. With obviously like Facebook getting the the brunt of the hate just because like the sheer number of scandals that they've had. Well, but I think and that the,
0: and the size and importance of their products.
1: Exactly. But I mean, there's other companies that are on there, uh, Amazon, Twitter, Google, and Twitter is very low. Uh, I think like Google and Amazon are a little higher, but also not super high, mm-hmm. right? And Amazon, I don't know. The problem is that Amazon's product is perhaps the most useful of all of them. It's, it's hard to break away from Amazon, yeah. uh, even though I think people feel negatively about them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've got it coming from like both sides of of the political spectrum even right like because there's like yep. a just a natural like left hatred of of i shouldn't say hatred but like skepticism of like big corporate power yeah right uh and then there's also this like right-wing perception that uh, all these silicon valley companies oh they're out in the bay area and they're all liberal and they have this bias <laughs> against them and so on so it's kind of like everybody's like sort of you know jumping on the bandwagon of, of hating tech so in some ways like this story feels like a product of that environment.
0: Uh, yeah, that seems right. I mean, uh, the more it becomes important in our lives, the more we resent that, basically. <laughs> I think this story does a decent job of at least complicating somewhat. The whole reason that we're so upset about these tech companies is because we like their products and because we feel uh, some social pressure to use them and things like that, right? So there's some of that in this, baked into this story. But yeah, absolutely. It does seem like as they get more and more large and powerful and necessary in our lives, uh, uh, we're getting more hand wringing about, you know, what are they really doing to us? And of of course we don't really know what they're doing to us. I mean, um, a lot of people are rushing to, you know, cite a few studies and say they do something bad and other people are saying they do something good. But I think the truth is it's, um, still pretty early in a gigantic, social experiment where we have no real, you know, no control group and we really just don't know what the effects, if any, are of these things.
1: Yeah. So my feeling about it, like I tend to be pretty skeptical of the sort of health based critiques, right? Yeah. The like, oh, what is this doing to our brains? Right. Or like, what is it doing to our mood? Or is it making us all depressed? Right. It is a big experiment. I'm not saying it can't be doing any and all of those things. Right. But I feel like there's a pretty big burden of proof that, you know, this thing that people use every day and, and many, many people seem to enjoy is is quite as bad as we're, you know, as we're told or as like people feel like it is uh, from a health perspective. Right. Um, and I think I don't think there's like super conclusive evidence on those questions. Right. But so I am sort of skeptical of that where I like feel like the real issue is, is the more like left critique of this which is that there's just such a concentration of power in these companies hands and they have to make decisions that are so sweeping and at times like almost governmental in nature Mm -hmm. that uh there's got to be some way uh to make sure that they are like being responsible for that in a way that's like fair
0: yeah
1: uh whatever that society deems to be fair and like i don't know there's there's a there's a real challenge there, and the, to the extent that that's part of the current conversation, I think that's really healthy and like more important than the, you know, oh it's uh, it's 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 making me feel bad or whatever type arguments, or it's making me you know forget how to use language properly.
0: Well, yeah, I definitely don't buy any kind of argument that it's bad for language. I mean, they're basically language engines. I guess
1: no one really makes that
0: one that much. Yeah, I mean, that's just silly. I have seen, you know, um, studies that I don't have any idea where, the, you know, how good the methodology is that that suggests that maybe uh, people are made unhappy by it or made more happy by not using it. Uh, I've seen other studies that, that suggest that that's not happening. So I I don't think we know. I don't think there's any easy way to tease that kind of thing out. And I'm not even sure that it would be that meaningful to, to get, say, survey data or something like that on that kind of question, because it's all taking place in a world in which... Uh, social media got adopted uh, by the whole globe and everyone's using it. And that already is creating a context where you might expect that not using it would have some negative effects or that you might feel some pressure to use it or something like that. That is almost nothing at all to do with the technology. It just has to do with the the context in which it sits. So I don't know. I mean, to me, uh, yeah, I worry about um, capitalist motives um, uh, being in conflict with uh, the best interests of the users of these various systems. I worry about uh, data security and the uh, possibility that a malicious actor or owner of the data might uh, misuse it in any number of uh, ethically questionable ways, use it to manipulate people or uh, or blackmail them or who knows. But it, I just think it's a little bit of a silly question to say something like, is social media bad? You know, it's a little bit like saying, um, is water bad? You know, it's like
1: (laughs) (laughs) too much of it's bad. (laughs) Uh, and I should, yeah.
0: And I I should uh, say, I don't,
1: I don't worry as much about social media as I do, about like, okay. So I feel like my, if I were to rank some of these companies in terms of how concerned I am about them, right. Uh, I feel like Facebook would be much lower on my ranking list than it seems to be with the general public. Uh, Like, I mean, Facebook is so visible because it's this sort of, like, top layer of the internet, right? Uh, And because it's had so many, like, high-profile scandals, right? So I think people feel particularly badly about that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually think, like, the lower down you go, right, uh, in the layers, like, the more important it is to be concerned, right? Right. With like the lowest level being like literally the the lines itself, right? It was, we've talked in the past about net neutrality. Like to me, like that seems to be. I mean, if you're concerned about uh, tech having too much power, that would be like the first place I would look. Would be like the lowest possible level. Like what's happening with the lines, right? Mm-hmm. This would be the place where I think like you know government intervention would be like most fitting, right? Right from the get go. Yeah, sure. Um,
0: Cell uh, phone and then, networks, and th- landlines, et cetera.
1: Exactly. And then as you go further up, I mean, you you know, I mean, Google has, like, I, 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 it's hard to say, like, I mean, I guess, like, Google and Facebook, like, share a similar layer, but it feels like, uh, search and email feel to me like a bit more fundamental, although I guess a lot of people essentially use, like, social media for those tasks. Um, but then, like, Amazon is also, like, structurally concerning, right? Um, just because, like the number of like servers that they control, even outside of their their sales, and just like the amount of retail share that they have, uh, so yeah, I I don't know. To me, Facebook is some of the least concerning because there are, I mean, as dominant as they are, uh, you know, there are people that hardly interact with their products. Um, it is doable. Whereas I think it's it's it feels harder in the case of some of those other companies.
0: Mm, um, maybe yeah, I I think I agree with you that Facebook seems less a concern to me, but I think it's more maybe because of the trivial nature of what's on there. I mean, I know that uh, people leak um, information that can be used against them on Facebook, right? I mean, that's a common mm-hmm. uh, hacker technique or something is to go to people's socials and you can usually find out where they live and a bunch of other stuff about them um, either through metadata or through the backgrounds of photos or whatever. Um, so that's a bit concerning as far as privacy issues go, but, uh, they don't have a record of everything you've bought like Amazon does. They don't have, you know, um, Google just has this gigantic wealth of information because they're just scraping everything all the time and they have, you know, advanced AI going through all of it. Um, you know, they don't have that pile of data as far as I know at Facebook. So, um... I agree. I think there's something, you know, the most um, concerning thing that Facebook is able to do is create a really good advertising portfolio for you, right? A really good profile so that they can really target ads to you. And- well, people worry about their
1: curation, right? I mean, again, all these things um, yeah, are
0: because people use it as a discovery tool, right? 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 And that is that is worrying.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I you know, but that also applies very strongly to to YouTube, which is a Google product. Yep. Uh, and to just Google search, right? So, like the curation issue, uh, which is like increasingly like a, a live discussion, is I think like in some ways like the trickiest one. Essentially, with these companies are like running giant economies, right? That, that you know, like if you look at like sort of the YouTube economy, you have people that are that are making money off there. As some some time cases, it's like their full living or they're part of their living, mm-hmm. right? And then you have most people getting their their primary information from there, like increasing number of people. And there's just like a number of complicated decisions that have to be made as far as policy and like, how do we handle this thing versus that thing? And how do we keep our users informed? Right. And because all of that is privately held, it basically just answers to advertisers and nothing else. right? Right. I don't know what the best solution to that
0: is yeah
1: to me this is like ranks as a bigger issue like the curation problem than the health and wellness question I see this one as like being a bit more salient but I'm also a little bit skeptical here because it just anecdotally in my lifetime it does feel like information dissemination is actually like contrary to popular opinion it does feel like there is uh better access to information now. I mean, if I think about, you know, back in the late 90s or like the early 2000s, I don't know. Let me just throw that out there. Do you feel like, does, does it feel that way to you? Or would you, do you think feel like today is worse, which just seems to be the dialogue?
0: Oh, I think it's better on average with some uh, outlying particular verticals being worse because of... Um, you know, because of the sort of a uh, uh, library of Babel problem of you know uh, fake news or whatever you want to call it, or you know misinformation, or you know um, the 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 difficulty of verifying truth online. Uh, so for a few small, uh, very culturally salient issues like election news or something like that, it's anecdotally it feels worse, um, just because uh, people have realized you can weaponize. Um, the easy publishing access of the internet, uh, but uh, but overall, no, I think it's very clearly better if you were to take access to all forms of of news and information. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, there there are specific areas of concern. Yeah, right. And obviously, we still have like tremendous consolidation uh, in the media. It just takes a different form, but it just feels like the the variety of voices that are out there ultimately, I think, is is a net positive when compared to the recent past.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Absolutely. This is making me think of something. I don't know if this is exactly what you're getting at, but maybe um, some of the unease here is explained uh, by the particular bundle of um, uh, services that these uh, companies are now being expected to provide, which includes a lot of things that we traditionally... Uh, at least in this country, you know, uh, seem to think should be private um, things like uh, uh, market making and, um, uh, you know, uh, creating uh, things like app stores. And then also a lot of things that feel like the government's job, like the purview of government, whether that's this recent uh, Facebook currency, right, that they uh, released uh, coin or, right, um, right. I forgot about that. You know, uh, there is a, they have a moderation uh, component to what they do. So that starts to feel like speech regulation, especially to the extent that uh, these companies are kind of the town square of the present. So as they intrude on more uh, traditionally governmental jobs, maybe that is what's driving some of this intuitive feeling of overreach and then you combine that with the the ways that they've been very successful in traditional uh, commercial enterprises you know selling you stuff if that's amazon or uh, showing you ads on on these other sites or whatever um and then you start to really worry you know uh for the same reason you would worry if uh you know uh, general motors bought the u.s government or something that that's just a that's a lot of Different things to be putting under one roof, and then expecting them all to uh, to keep our best interests at front of mind.
1: Yeah, no, and that's the that's the concern that really resonates with me is the more generic concern that we would apply to really any gigantic corporation, right? Yeah. Which is that this is this is a lot of power in one place, and a lot of responsibility. Uh, it it needs to be accountable to the people somewhat, and probably not just with their dollars. So like that, uh, that sort of very generic critique is what I, I just don't know if there's anything particularly special about these tech companies uh, right. or if they're just, they're just ascendant as sort of like the new guard of, of, of large corporations that we need to contend with.
0: Right. Yeah. That's my instinct is that they are basically just the dominant corporations of our day. I don't get the sense that there's any way to avoid having these companies take over more and more governance over time, I guess that's what I'm getting at, right? Like, I mean, we've talked about this before. It seems like the government or the whatever. The government, right? Like, as things yeah. go online for reasons both structural and area of competence um, related, it seems like a lot of governance is going to move to these private companies, and they're not accountable to us in the same way as you as you mentioned. You know, especially if they're showing advertisements, because then we're not even really their customers. We're sort of indirectly a product that they are producing for their customers in the aggregate, but any individual eyeball isn't that important to someone who's got an advertising model, as long as their general demographics look okay. So that doesn't give them the best incentive structure to govern us uh, in our own interest. And it doesn't give the kind of accountability that elections or other kinds of um, democratic structures give.
1: To me, there's like two broad ways to to answer this, right? That are both talked about. Um, The one is the just sort of like, oh, the company's too big, break it up, (laughs) right? It's like the really straightforward option. Uh, Although, you know, if you break it up, like, uh, does it just reform, reconstitute itself? Uh, I guess that's a like, you know, it's like sort of a constant push and pull that has to happen uh, if that's the route you're going to go. But I mean, the other way is to just like get into the guts of these companies that are above a certain size and like, you know put some regulation on them, you know, that requires them to be accountable to their users. Um, Which I don't know. I mean, probably the solution is some combination of those two things. I don't mean to say that they're mutually exclusive, but they are sort of like different different philosophies on how you might handle this.
0: Right. And they do have different limits too, because if you break up Facebook, for example, right, what are you going to break it up into? I mean, you can separate Instagram and WhatsApp from the main or Oculus from the main corporation, but you can't have like Facebook East and Facebook West, right? That would destroy the value of the company. Um, that, w- that, that That isn't really possible. If something's geographic like uh, AT&T was, it's very easy to break it up into geographic regions. But when these things are global and their value stems from their network size, it's not immediately apparent what a breakup would even do because yeah Yeah, yeah. one of the baby facebook's would just become the new facebook and would go back to serving the whole world you know i mean what are you gonna say say uh social networks can only have you know half a billion people on them that seems crazy (laughs) to me it's like uh you're you're attacking it right at its source of value
1: yeah, it seems more intuitively correct to me to to do the reg- more lean more heavily on the regulation option and to do that based on size, right? Because what you what you want to do is you want to like these once these companies are of a certain size and are like providing like a service that affects so many people. I think it's important to regulate it, uh, but you the you want to make sure you're doing that in a way that isn't sort of just institutionalizing them as this like government backed monopoly that like keeps out uh, competitors, right? Like, cause there's there's a really easy way for that to go wrong where by regulating them, you're basically saying, all right, well, I guess we've just accepted that now like Facebook is gonna be in charge of social media for all time. right? Uh, so we're going to sort of absorb them, semi-absorb them into the government while letting them still make a ton of profit. Uh, you know, and just sort of institutionalize them as the official platform and and like therefore like make it really difficult for anyone else to enter right because now uh, anyone trying to enter has doesn't have the advantages of being partnered with the government and also uh, is maybe not able to comply with regulations as easily. So like I think it's got to be like a really targeted type of regulation that only kicks in when you are like well above a certain size, right which I think these companies easily, would clear that bar.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes some sense to me. I mean, yeah, you have to really be careful that you're not uh, creating so many barriers to entry that no one can ever unseat Facebook, right? Because that's, in a way, that's the best lever we have against Facebook being evil is how relatively easy it, it should be to unseat. Although I'm saying that realizing, you know, it's now 15 years old and no one's unseated it yet. Although I guess they have they have cleverly bought up the people who are most close to doing that. It's a tough thing for the government to try to do, especially since the government doesn't understand technology still. If that changes in the future, it might get easier for them. But it's hard for them to regulate these things in such a way that both uh, allows new entrance to the market and actually achieves the the policy goals that they have, um, as far as whatever it is—protecting uh, privacy or protecting um, democratic process or free flow of information or whatever it is that they're, you know, concerned about—the other way
1: you could, you know, hold them accountable is users could just organize, right? Right. Uh, to to make demands, um, and I think you know that might really make sense, especially on like a place that's uh, more of a marketplace, right? Uh, like YouTube, where like. In some cases, like people's livelihoods are at stake, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, we haven't seen anything like a broad like movement of of users that are like very well organized and can like act as a as a block. That seems like really difficult unless it is like sort of like a smaller cluster that can have a big impact, like YouTube influencers or something. Where you don't need quite so many people on board, but like the economic impact that those people could have on the company's bottom line would be something that might actually make the company take notice, right? If those people organized, um, I mean, you could have like a broader organization of just like the users in general, but that seems like a shakier like coalition to to, to keep together, yeah, <laughs> to do any real activism with.
0: Although the the influencers like, themselves might be the people best suited to uh, foment such a a movement right um, if they all decided on mass that that's what they were gonna promote maybe they could actually do it I look forward to the great influencer strike of 2023 <laughs> hey look uh you heard it here first I uh
1: I would say that's pro- probably not a bad prediction uh, I'm putting my uh, mind I mean down. forget the year but uh yeah. you know give or take uh three years right? yeah exactly I get yeah um well anyways I don't know what else to talk about this episode other than you know just critique it, you know, generically as a, uh, as a piece of art, uh, that we watched. I mean, what did you, how did you rate this one with the others of this season? Uh,
0: I think this one is probably my least favorite of the three in the season. Um, just on an artistic level as like, how exciting is the standoff and, and the filmmaking and all of that. I may be did, uh, found it to be the least compelling. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, on a moment by moment basis, I guess it's it's pretty exciting. But at the, it feels like the story is like a little bit thin at the end of the day. Like even I guess we found a lot, a fair amount to talk about still. Uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it it didn't have like sort of the fun and the joy of the third episode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the the singer robot uh, and. I don't know like the 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 first episode I don't know felt like like more of a cohesive statement yeah. um or exploration of a topic and also had just was more fun I think right there's there's something about this one that was just like I don't know there was there was like some humor in it but it just like didn't I don't know but it certainly I still think it was, on average, a pretty good Black Mirror episode, and that makes this like season on the whole like I think one of my favorite seasons.
0: Yeah, I think it's a real return to form for Black Mirror. I, I think that first one, Striking Vipers, was you know the the speculative one in the bunch, and uh, even though as we talked about in our episode, it you know it doesn't carry that through the entire world. It does, I think, a pretty good job of exploring the technology at least for those two guys. The last one, you know, despite being sort of fantastical and silly in points, I thought had um, some pretty interesting things to say both about society and the characters uh, and some, you know, fun gags like the 9 nail stuff and everything. This one, you know, I, I think the biggest disappointment of it is the reveal. It's like when you find out that, uh, his, you know, he, his fiancée died in a car crash, that just doesn't feel like Black Mirror. You know, I mean, yeah, he's looking at a video or something, but... Um, I think they could have come up with a more interesting way that the technology had influenced him negatively than that. That felt very easy to me. It's not unrealistic. It's not something that doesn't happen. It just, you know, as a reveal at the end of a exciting hostage standoff, you know, I wanted more, I think from that. And, um, you know, and then the ambiguous ending uh, of it as well. So, uh, you know, we've spoiled everything else. Uh, Basically uh, they take the shot, but they don't, uh, tell you, right. I, I don't think that they tell you at all. No, uh, they don't. I, I, or the, uh, or the, uh, hostage make it. So you get, you know, you kind of imply that they maybe both got shot, but there's no, it's not because they're scuffling and they're moving around and the guy's trying to get a clean shot and you don't know exactly what happens. So, you know, it's possible that, uh, the cops have, you know, um, murdered this, uh, this hostage in, in the, uh, uh, attempt to get him free. Um, but that's ambiguous and I didn't find that to be a meaningful ambiguity. I just, you know, I, I feel like I would have been fine with them killing the guy or, uh, or not killing the guy, but uh, why not tell us?
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess like what is, well, you know what it does is it makes the cut to people looking at their phones have like a different type of resonance to it. Like, so
0: yeah, it let's it say makes you pay more attention to it. Cause you think you might Find out if he's alive. Right? <laughs> yeah. So that's true. <laughs> yeah. But like I mean, let's yeah, say true.
1: like let's say we knew definitively that it was like the worst possible scenario where the hostage got shot and the other guy was fine or something. Right. Right. Uh or I guess the worst case scenario is they both get shot. But uh however you want to take that. Yeah. <laughs> um then then when we see them looking at it and then shrug and like put it back, like that has like a particular like dark commentary to it yeah. that it's like laden with. Um, and if it's like the positive thing, it's sort of the opposite. Whereas if it's ambiguous, it, it allows it to be the focus on just like, Ooh, what happened? Right. That's like your, what your feeling is, which is sort of mirroring their feeling, uh, as they're checking their phone. Uh, so I think like, you know, I could see, I could see reason for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I'll buy that as a reason for it. I didn't, uh, love it in the moment, but I think that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't my favorite one. Uh, if I compare it to uh, the very first episode of Black Mirror uh, from the first season, which it's similar to in the sense that both are hostage situations uh, taken that use you know modern technology but no sci-fi technology. Right? They use cell phones and internet. Uh, there's a viral video in the first one, and there's a, uh, you know this social media company in, in this one. Um, they are similar in that they show some dark way that's that an old thing like a you know somebody having a grievance with a company or um somebody having a a grievance with the british government wanting to uh um take something out on them uh can be reimagined with our current tech and perhaps the you know uh, the attacker can be made stronger or at least the attack can be made weirder or something um but this one i don't know i didn't find as um you know, it didn't stick with me in the same way that the other one did. I think maybe just the power of the images in the other one maybe uh, propelled it to be more memorable.
1: I agree with that. This one is worse for the comparison with that episode. Yeah. It's like a similar... I, I do think there are some uniquely different concepts to this episode yeah. that we discussed today. But yeah, it, it it feels very similar and it feels in some ways like a worse version of that. Uh. So yeah, that would be probably the the worst light to look at this at this particular episode in.
0: Yeah, I mean we've covered uh Black Mirror season 5 now and uh you know basically we recommend it. I think it's one of the more interesting ones. So uh we are going to review something else next time and we will tweet about what it's going to be so that you can catch up with us, but I don't yeah, true. I don't think we know yet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's uh, at RTF underscore podcast on Twitter. That's like a good place to check uh, for like announcements on what we're going to be discussing next. So go ahead and check over there if you want to follow along. Until next
0: time. I'm Ted Cover. I'm John Perry. And you've been listening to Review the Future. To subscribe or leave a comment on this episode, please visit reviewthefuture.com. You can also send emails to feedback at reviewthefuture.com. Thanks for listening.